Uh, the book of Luke, chapter 14. Lord willing, actually, well, I'll save that for Sunday. Luke 14, 25 to 33. I can tell you this was a very convicting passage of scripture to study. Uh, the Lord spoke to me, convicted me, um, made me look within, um, deeper into my life as a, a Christian, but also as a, a preacher of the gospel. Luke 25, or Luke 14, 25, rather, says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost? whether he have sufficient to finish it. Lest haply after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it will begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Or else while the other king that is, is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassador or an ambassador and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you, now remember he's talking to this multitude. He was walking, they were following him, and he turned around. So he turns around and he finishes here with verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. So there's three times in there where he says, if this is not what you intend, because remember, he, he looked at them and he, he knew they intended to follow him. That was their intentions. So he turned around to search their intentions with these three words. Count the cost before you do it. Count the cost. And again, this is one of the most sobering and searching passages in all of the scriptures from me. Uh, and you see these great, look, great multitudes were following him. Now Jesus had just healed the woman who was bent over for 18 years. He had healed her. This is in chapter 13. She had been bent over with an infirmity, and he healed her. Uh, it had been 18 years that she was like that. And he also healed the man who I think had something of congestive heart failure. Uh, it was called dropsy here. Uh, he was swollen with fluid, and it's kind of like one of the effects of having congestive heart failure uh, I think it's modern-day edema, I'm not sure. But anyway, the Lord Jesus healed him as well. 
And now the great multi the multitude have been following. And now the great multitude of people probably spoke among themselves that this must be the promised Messiah. This, this must be the one. And they intended to follow him. That was their intention. And Jesus knew that. Many, if not all of them, were ready. I mean, they saw this. Listen, before this, if you go back to chapter 9, he had just fed uh, the, had one of the mass feedings probably of 5,000 or more with five loaves and two fishes. So they had been fed by him. They saw his miracles. They heard his word. So many, if not all, were ready. I would call them would-be followers of Christ. Would-be. They would-be. But would they be? They were ready to follow Christ. They were ready to pledge their allegiance to him as their king. But the Lord turned about and prevented them. He stopped them in their tracks. See, he knew their intentions. He knew what they intended to do. He knew what they viewed as being followers of Christ, but they really didn't know. And Jesus was going to tell them what it really entailed to be a disciple of Christ. And so that's why he says, you need to count the cost of being my disciple. You need to count the cost of professing me to be your king. You need to count the cost of being under my rule and under my reign. You need to count the cost of being associated with my name. You see, the multitude only saw the glorious things that Christ had done. You can see that in Luke 13, 17. They saw the glorious things. They didn't see the not-so-glorious things that awaited them if they would be disciples. That, that, that their Christianity, Christianity would be associated with. The cost that would be associated with their Christianity. And that's the question that the Lord asked me. And that's the question that I ask you tonight. What does your Christianity cost you? What does it cost you? Consider the apostles of the first, in the first century. Consider the apostles of many of the first century Christians. Read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Read about Polycarp. The scriptures teach us about James, one of the sons of Zebedee. Herod beheaded him for being a disciple of Christ. They counted the cost. The cost was their life, his life. Consider Peter. Historically, the script, not the scriptures, but the Lord told Peter in John 21, he says, one day you're going to be girded about and there are those that are going to take you where you would not go. They're going to basically take you. And it was almost like a prophecy from the Lord that Peter would die for being an apostle of Christ. And history tells us that he did and that he was crucified upside down. John, the apostle, the second of Zebedee's sons, history and tradition has it that he was boiled in some sort of oil which he survived, and then he was exiled to the island of Patmos. He's the only one of the disciples. Most of the others historically were, were martyred for their faith in history, which teaches us John's the only one that seems to have lived out his life. You can say this about them. They loved not their lives unto death. Revelation 12 so it brings me back to our Christianity. What does your Christianity cost you? Is there a cost to your Christianity? See, one of the problems with Christians in America is that 
Christianity in America doesn't cost anything. There's no cost to it. Instead of believing and accepting what Christ said about how we will suffer and be persecuted as his disciples and followers in this present evil world, instead of taking up our own personal crosses daily and being intimately associated with the sufferings of Christ in our lives, we oftentimes in America bend over backward to be accommodating in our Christianity with our family with our friends into the world. Christianity in America has become accommodating and compromising, most often because in America we have counted the cost of following Christ, and the cost is more than we are willing to pay, oftentimes. And we capitulate or surrender and exchange our Christianity for a religion that costs us nothing. What does my Christianity cost me? Am I willing to suffer shame for the name of Christ? See, in America, Christianity so often is associated with no suffering, shame, no cross-bearing, no persecution from those that hate us because we openly love Christ. Listen, child of God, that's not Christianity. I'm not telling you to go out there and make people hate you for being a Christian, but I'm saying go out and courageously live for Christ, whatever the cost. That's, beloved, the Christian life. Luke 14:33, Jesus said, Whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath. Remember, he turned around to these would-be followers, this great multitude. Whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he said, he cannot be my disciple. So good, again, what, is, what, is, what does my Christianity cost me? And listen, there's nothing wrong with wanting to live peaceably in this present evil world. There's nothing wrong with wanting to have a peaceable and quiet life. In fact, Paul teaches us in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, pray for our kings and our leaders and all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all quietness and honesty. That is to be our prayer. But when it comes to openly professing faith in Christ in the world, we are not to compromise for the sake of peace. We are not to compromise for the sake of comfort and quietness in the world. Listen, if following Christ means that we become outcasts in the world and our lives become miserable in the world, we must know that losing this life is well worth the cost of gaining eternal life with Christ in heaven. John 12, look at John 12 and verse 25. John chapter 12 and verse 25. John writes here, He that loveth his life shall lose it i.e. loveth his life in this world. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Listen, the Lord Jesus prepared his apostles. Turn back to Matthew 10. When he sent them out two by two in 
John chapter 10, uh, Matthew chapter 10, after he had called them, I want you to see his instructions to them and how he prepared them for what would be ahead. He prepared them and he speaks to us because we are his disciples in the world. And so many of these same things, beloved, we are to expect and we will experience in the world. In fact, Paul wrote Timothy, all they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But I think sometimes, beloved, we, we count the cost and we just don't want to. And so we become quiet and we assimilate into the world and we accommodate ourselves. We want to be accommodating. We want to present a Jesus that's, that's not offensive and that doesn't give commands. And beloved, we must not do that. We must be courageous enough in our faith and trust Christ enough, beloved, to tell it like it is. Yes, to speak the truth in love but also to know that the cost is worth it. It's well worth it. Think of the cost of the Lord Jesus Christ's blood. Think of the cost of his life, beloved. Look at verse 16, Matthew 10. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So he teaches them and he's teaching us how we ought to be in the world. But beware of men, they will deliver you up to the councils and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak. For it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you. So there's a cost, you see, being delivered up. It hasn't happened to us, but it very well could. And it's driving toward that. Am I willing to count that cost? Am I willing to take that, to bear that cost? Beloved, I'll tell you right now, I want to. But it hasn't happened to me. Look at the next verse. And brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child. And the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that shall endure to the end shall be saved. That's cost. Are you willing to be hated by the members of your own family? Are you willing to be distanced from your own family? That's a cost. Beloved, we need to be willing to bear that cost. We, we, need to, we, need to, we need to be willing to say Christ is of infinite worth than that. When they persecute you in this city, flee into another. We know nothing about that. But are you willing to take that cost? For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. He says here, the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple to be as his master. We want to be as our master and the servant as his Lord. That's, we want that. I want to be like my master and Lord. We should all want that, right? Well, then here's the cost. 
If they have called the master of the house a devil, Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? That's a cost, beloved. Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. And what you hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body. This is where it's really tough. But are not able to kill the soul. Do I trust God that much? But rather fear him which is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Or not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. I love this passage. Fear ye not therefore, for ye are of more value than many sparrows. If he cares for one little sparrow, think about how much more he cares for you, child of God. Whosoever therefore shall confess me, before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foes or his adversaries and enemies shall be they of his own household. That's a cost. That's a cost of being a follower of Christ, beloved. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. These are hard sayings for many to swallow. Christ is turned around. He's speaking to this multitude. He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Verse 39, he that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Beloved, this is, your Christianity is costly. But how much is it worth to you? Back to Luke 14, 26, and we'll finish up. So Jesus turns around. He tells them, if any man come to me and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and his children and brethren and sisters also, yea, his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now let me just expound this for you a little bit. Jesus is not telling you to hate your relations. He's not telling you to hate your father and your mother and your children. But this is how they will interpret your devotion to Christ when you are a lover of Christ. They will believe that you hate them in comparison to your love to Christ. That's how your devotion to Christ will be perceived so often by your families. And you may have experienced some of that. So Jesus is telling them, are you willing to bear the, the cost of putting me first in your life, above your family, above your wife, above your children, above your nearest relations? Are you willing to put me first? If you don't, Jesus says, you cannot be my disciple. 
if I'm second? Jesus said, no, you cannot be my disciple. Remember, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And then we know from verse 28, or from verse 27, he says, Whosoever doth not bear his cross, a cross was a symbol of suffering. Luke 9.23, he says, Whosoever does not pick up his cross daily and follow me. Beloved, we enter into the sufferings of Christ. We enter into the fellowship of his sufferings. We suffer like he did. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. If he suffered, so shall we for the name of Christ, beloved. And that's a cost of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. So are you willing to suffer shame and reproach as my disciple and follower in the world, Jesus says? Is being associated with me worth the cost? Absolutely. We say that, beloved, but what do we do out there? And that's, listen up. Jimmy's talking to Jimmy. If you intend to follow Christ, he talks about a tower. He said, which of you intending to build a tower doesn't sit down first and count the cost? He's telling them, listen, if you're going to follow me, you better consider how this is going to be for you if you just go halfway and you stop. It's going to be like someone building a tower. You ever see a house like that? I've seen houses like that where they started and then they left it off and all the studs got rotten. And you just look at it. It's an eyesore. And he tells them, if that's if you're not serious, if your heart, if you if you don't come after me with your whole heart, if you don't believe in me with your whole heart, if you don't come after me, if I'm not first in your life, if you come after me with a half heart, if you don't know the cost and you don't consider the cost of being my disciple, well, then you're going to be like the man who didn't dig down until he got down to the rock and foundation. And when the storms of life come, you're going to fall away. And your profession, see, that tower is like a profession. It'll be mocked because you'll leave it off, not able to finish it. But listen, Christian God who hath done a he hath begun a good work in you will perform it in the day of Christ. And so, beloved, I pray that you're following Christ with your whole heart. So if you intend to follow him, you must know that you will experience losses, you will lose friends, maybe even some of your family. Storms and attacks will beat against your profession. And so you better be founded upon a rock. Finally, he talks about the king. You better be ready for spiritual warfare. He talks about a king going to make war, and then he decides maybe we shouldn't go into this fight. Let's send an ambassador, and let's sit down, and let's, let's, let's draw up a treaty. Let's come to an agreement. Well, know this, that we don't make treaties with the kings of this world, nor with the God of this world. We don't lay down our armor to the wicked one. We don't make agreements with him. We march forward under the banner of Christ. We fight the good fight of faith under our King, Jesus Christ. And so, beloved, our trust is in him. We don't look at the forces out there. Christ prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And he is our victor and he is our king, beloved. 
Finally, the ultimate cost. Verse 33, the Lord Jesus wasn't telling them to cast away all their possessions when he said, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. He wasn't telling them to cast away all of their possessions and cast away all of their family members. He wasn't telling them to become a monk in a monastery. What he was telling them and us is that we must be willing to forsake anything that comes between us and Christ. If anyone or anything would come between you and Christ to turn you out of the way, you better hate that thing. You better cast it aside, beloved. He said, you better be willing to forsake all for me. Because if you're not, you see those last five words, he cannot be my disciple. And so, beloved, what does your Christianity cost? Our Christianity ought to cost. Listen, think of the great cost of the life and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ for us. Beloved, let us go forth. Let us be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Let us go into the world with courage and boldness. Let us speak for the name of our Christ. Let us take up our cross daily and follow Christ. Let us leave what happens to him and trust in him, brethren. Let us not be ashamed of the shame. You remember the apostles when they were beaten for preaching the gospel, they rejoiced. That's never happened to me. Beloved, we ought to be ready for that. We ought to be courageous. Beloved, we ought to embrace the cost. We ought to embrace the cost. Amen. Let's dismiss in prayer. Father, we, we pray that you would help us in our own Christianity, Father. I pray that we would not surrender or Capitulate. We would not compromise the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ, the truth of thy word. Father, I pray that you would help us, O oh God, to take up our cross daily and to follow you. May, may we know that it is the greatest gain, Father, to lose things from this life. Father, may we count them but dung that we may win Christ. May we be as the Apostle Paul, O oh God. May we see our greatest treasure as in heaven with our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, may we not let anything get between us in our love to Christ, in our Christianity. Help us, Heavenly Father. Let us, Father, let what come to us in this life, let us trust that to you, O Lord. But let us go forth and let us fight the good fight of faith. Oh God, as, as children of Christ, oh God, knowing that your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and Father, that you rule in the heavens. And so help us not to faint or be weary or be full of fear. Lord, help us, Father, to live boldly for Christ, having our confidence in him as our king. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.